With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, man. We all know I share. I like to be transparent. I like to be authentic with y'all. And I think I've shared it a couple times before I was preached um, how, you know, I, I too have suffered like with depression and, and suicidal thoughts and all those different things. And, and just here lately, uh, I have just wrestled whether or not I even wanted to keep doing this. Like, um, I don't know, I've, I've, this has been, 2019 makes 10 years that, um, I, uh, that I've been in, in full-time ministry. Um, this church is, will be seven years old in January. And, and you know, we have, we, we bounced around. I don't, know if, I don't know how long y'all been here. We bounced around for, for a good five years. We went from one theater to a church to a, this place, that place. And, and you know, I, I got to the point where I was like, okay, maybe if I go out into the world, I can kind of figure out what everybody else is doing. And then try to just figure out how what, what works and all that kind of stuff. And I started getting into, you know, church this and church that. And this is how they did this. This is how you fundraise. And, and I just kind of gotten away from who I really was and my confidence in doing this was was really shot it was really shot um, you know I, I was out in Montana a couple weeks ago and out there for a whole week with a couple other pastors out in the middle of nowhere and at one o'clock in the morning I'm looking up at the stars and I mean it's hundreds of miles just full of just just flat land and and we're out on a, on a Native American uh, reserve and so it's just a house out there and this is nothing out there and I'm just one o'clock in the morning, I'm looking up at the stars and as beautiful as can be, and I'm just kind of crying out to God, like, God, please help me, because how many of you know sometimes a leader needs help too? I felt like Moses, like, what am I doing? Like, God, you gotta, you gotta help me, because I'm, I'm gonna need some. And I'm just crying out to God, and I just felt God just speaking some things over me that brought me my confidence back. And, uh, amen. Amen. Cause I was ready to hang this all up. Like, you know what, y'all can have this. Two fingers in the air introduces, I'm out. I'm gonna go to law school, become a attorney, politician, and y'all see me on C-SPAN. Um, <laughs> but you know something, I, I, I had to get rooted in that. Nobody else could help me to get to that journey but him. And, and you know, with that, one thing that I realized that I kind of lost confidence with was I lost that piece of myself and how, and how my wife and how we got started. We started this by faith. You know, we didn't start our church because we had money. We had people who were putting money into it. We started our church. We had, a, we had an American Express credit card and faith, and we needed faith to work the American Express card to hope that it to hope that it passed. That's true. And but we had to do what it was that God was putting in our was telling us in our heart to do. And back then, you know, it was it was hard. It was going through the struggle. And 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 you know, we don't just have. We don't, I don't just pastor this church. We also travel outside of here, and we also do things outside. And I was just trying to figure out, you know, God, where in all of this did I lose my identity? Where in all of this did I lose my confidence? And I realized one of the places was in faith. I mean, I've been, I've been working and just like, you know, God, how do we get a building going and looking at warehouses and looking at stuff and using more practical means to say, this is what we can do. This is how much money we got. This is this. And all of those practical things mean something. It was faith that brought me through. It was faith that brought me through. 
it was when I saw the building, I didn't just look at my account first, but I believed that if God told me I'm going to have it, then that was the one that I've kept my faith on. It didn't matter how it happened, that's how it happened. And I'm returning to that, returning to where my confidence is, returning to where I know I'm strong in, to know where my strength is, and returning to that. I don't know, as as, as your pastor, I'm going to tell you this, I don't know where we're going. All I know is that God has a place for us. And I'm putting my faith out there. I'm putting it back where, where it is. I feel strong and confident at now. And whatever God has for us, you guarantee and you mark my words, we will see it. We will have it and we will walk in it. The next thing is God, God was really downloaded some things into me. And, and he, he spoke something plainly to me. And he said, you know what, Chris, I didn't call you to build churches. I called you to build leaders who will build churches. One of the things I do well is I know I build leaders. I know that. And one of the things I've instructed my assistant and our church administrator to do is to help to find me a space where I can, I can create something for people who are in our church. I'm not talking about outside, but in our church who say, I have a ministerial call for this full time. And my wife and I, we want to take what we know. And we want to be able to offer that to you guys so that we can help to build up the, the, the next people so that, so that ultimately you can have a better launch than what we had. And that's, that's important to us. And the last thing is I want to share is, you know, our team has been putting up some amazing videos. Y'all been seeing these videos they put up? Amazing stuff with Ghost Studios. And, and, and something we, we've started, we've incorporated uh, Ghost Studios because we don't want to just make it just a something that we're going to just have here in-house. But I have a vision to take what we can create, to take the creatives that are in this room and the actors and the writers and all this kind of stuff, bring us all together into a room and see what we can put out into the main space to say, hey, we can put out something that is not only encouraging, but has a message of truth that is found in the hope of Jesus Christ. I believe that can happen. And I believe that needs to happen for where we're going. So if you're already part of Ghost Studios, I believe I'm gonna be meeting uh, with you guys this week to kind of share more of that vision about where we're going. This is the best that I have felt in a long time. I wanted to be able to share that with you for those of you in our church who've been wondering, you know, how's Pastor feeling? What is Pastor doing? You know exactly how I'm feeling. You hear it straight from me. You ain't got to go and read about it somewhere else. I'm telling you exactly what it is. Amen? Well, cool thing, I want to jump into this morning's sermon. It's, we're starting a whole new sermon series called FAM. The I-L-Y is supposed to mean I love you, but how I many know sometimes it's difficult to say I love you to them people who are just difficult? So we're going, to deal with di- we're going to deal with different people, different personalities in the family this month. Today we're going to deal with the difficult one. We're going to also deal with the deep one. Everybody got a deep one in their family? If you didn't raise your hand, you might be it. The deep one. Oh, we all got a deep one. Everything is a demon. All right, go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. No, no, they, just, they burnt that turkey. That's all it is. Ain't no demon that cooked it. it just, you just left it in there too long. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I also want to deal with like the black sheep of the family or the one who's misunderstood. Anybody know a misunderstood one? You may be the one who misunderstood. Don't nobody understand me. Sometimes the reason why nobody understands you is because you don't understand yourself. So we got to deal with the black sheep or the one who's misunderstood in the family. And we got some others we're going to deal with, but today we're going to deal with the difficult one. Before I do this, let's go before God in prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity I have to be able to minister to your precious people. Anoint my lips to do what I cannot do in my own flesh, and that is to minister your perfect word. I thank you that you that you use my tongue as a pen and a ready writer, ready to etch upon each and every heart of those on the sound of my voice. Will you please open up hearts, open up ears, and we may be able to receive and also to hear the word. And Holy Spirit, would you please speak what it is 
is that it's personal to us, that we may be able to leave and practically apply the word that we hear. And this week, we can live out your message and, and do the work of the ministry that your word tells us to do. We bless you in it. We thank you for it. Through and by Jesus' name, we pray. All's in agreement said, amen. And to all my difficult ones, we just said amen. You didn't say anything, but that's okay, because you want to be difficult. We're going to look at Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. I'm going to read this real quick in the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 uh, through 36. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. If you are probably asking, you know, where some of the sermon notes is because I do them late and I fail to get them to them in time, but praise the Lord, they're going to be all right. Um, I want to start at verse 27. It says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. This is heavy. It says, do good to those who hate you. <laughs> Bless those who curse you. Oh, but it gets better. Pray for those who hurt you. And we know Jesus said, we know this is Jesus talking. Why? It's in the red. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Oh, that's there. We just read that. If somebody slap you on the left, give them the right. Now, now, we're going to talk about what abuse is and, and how this is not meaning for you to be abused. This is not, this is, is about, but we're just talking about the humility that goes into it, but we'll, we'll get into this. It says, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when they are taken away from you, it says, when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Verse 32 says, if you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? It says, even sinners love those who love them. Whew. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a, for a full return. Verse 35, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be true. It says, it says, and you will truly be acting as children of the most high for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Y'all, the verse just said, when they hit you on one cheek, offer the other. Now, you know, it's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a very practical, literal guy. So when it says one cheek off of the other, that means you only got two strikes. <laughs> if you miss on the second one, then it's snuck if you buck, right? Because, I mean, I, only, I can only give you what I got, and you missed the second one. It says lend to those without expecting anything in return. Like, when I read that, I'm like, you know, Lord, at that point, it ain't really lending. Like, you're really giving it at that point. It says, but even sinners can do that. It says, love those who don't love you. Love those who are hateful towards you. Love them. Love them. I'm not, I'm not talking about this superficial type of love. We understand love by, by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to know, if you want to know agape love is what we, what we refer to it, love based upon God's way is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't, love doesn't hold an account of the wrong that is done to it. You know, we use love in our world and we kind of just throw it around, but love is deep. Like, when I read these type of verses, people come to me like, I want, I, want, I want to know the deep things of God. Like, this to me is deep. Like, this is deep and it's difficult. 
You telling me to love my enemies? Like, do you know what they, what they do to me? You know what they say about me? You know how they talk about me? You're telling me to love them? God, they are difficult. These are your special children. You love them. And God's like, I do love them. But I'm calling you as one who is called to me to love them, to love those who are difficult. Now, the difficult one can be condescending. You ever had somebody who is condescending toward you? They, like, speak down to you. They can be belligerent, always trying to strike up a fight. Like, why are you so mad, though? Like, why are you so mad? Like, I was, I was, I was, on, I was on Facebook a couple of, like, months ago, and I saw some people I went to, like, the high school with, and, like, they were in pictures, like, throwing up birds. I'm like, who are y'all still mad at? Like, like really? Like, y'all grown. Y'all still throwing? Like, come on. But it's like, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're belligerent or when you're argumentative, when you're argumentative, some people are just argumentative. They're difficult, and they just like to just argue with people. Or maybe they're selfish, or maybe they're rude, or maybe they're prideful, or maybe they're dismissive. Or I got one. What about annoying? They're difficult, and they're annoying. It's like they know how to push your buttons, and they just keep going until they push your buttons. I used to tell people all the time, man, it's like you're going you're gonna to end up pushing all my buttons. You're going to push the right one. And they ain't the one you're going to want to push. But they know how to get under your skin. They're just difficult. Difficult. And our, our, our natural tendency is just trying to avoid them altogether. Like, I don't even want to be around you. Like, I'm going to just get away from you. And you know the holidays are coming up, you know. And some of us, we're going to sit at a table with some people. Some of us are going to sit in a living room with some people. And, and we, all got, we all got them cousins. Or maybe it's an auntie or an uncle. Maybe it's a parent. Or maybe it's both of your parents. Or maybe it's some of your kids. And everybody in the house get that text. Here she come. <laughs> and they walking through the door and you say, well, I'm going to get up and go. I'm going to go on in my room. I done ate. And she walking out. How y'all doing? We all right. How you doing? I'm going to leave. Because you know them just to be difficult. Our natural tendency is just try to avoid them altogether. But the word of God, we read what Jesus says here. It doesn't necessarily say avoidance. It actually says, it says confrontation, but the confrontation is in love. It's like, I got to confront you. I can't avoid you. Like, you hit me. I'm not avoiding you now. And now I'm going to respond to you, but I'm responding to you in humility. This is, what this, this is what the verse is talking about, to respond in humility, to not consider yourself higher than what they are. And, and here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the twist of the whole message. And I was just going to give it to you early. Oftentimes when we hear messages like this, we assume that I'm talking, that we're, we're, we're talking about somebody else who's difficult. But the issue is, is that we're really the difficult people. We are the difficult ones. I am the difficult one. Difficult. And sometimes we're just difficult for no other reason other than just we just want to be difficult. Sometimes we're the person everybody else is texting about. Here they come. Then everybody, you walk in their house, like, where everybody go? They went downstairs. Why'd they go downstairs? I don't know, baby. I don't know. I don't know. Where you going? You come, how long are you going to stay? You know, sometimes we're the difficult one and we don't want to admit it. We don't admit the one. We don't want to admit that we're the person who is argumentative. We don't want to admit that we're the person who's selfish. We don't admit that we're the, that we're, we're the person who just thinks we always got it together, but we just really, really we don't. Difficult people are unavoidable. You can't get away from them. They can either make you bitter or they can make you better. But it's all about your perspective. Difficult people 
can make you bitter, they can make you better. And it's really in the perspective. It's like, I see you, I see what you're doing, but I'm not going to go there with you. I'm not going to go there with you. You're going to make me better. You're going to make me bitter. Because sometimes a difficult person is the person who you sleep next to. Sometimes a difficult person are your parents or the difficult people or mom and dad. Sometimes a difficult person are your children. Somebody said amen. Oh, Jesus. I do not want to be in your car ride home. <laughs> but sometimes a difficult person could be a boss. It could be a colleague. It could be, you know, I don't know, somebody you're dating. And then the difficult person could be you. Just difficult. Difficult. Now, now there, 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 there are many degrees in a relationship. And I want to go through these. I think it's important when talking about difficult people and talk about how we relate to them. Because oftentimes the question I get is, well, you know, I can just kind of avoid them and just be away from them. Here's the thing. Now, we're talking family. And I'm talking family in two different ways. And in one way, we have a family that's built by blood. And some of us are close to our family. Some of us are not. And oftentimes the holidays, it shows the degree of separation in family. We just don't get together because we just don't like each other. And sometimes, I mean, I've, I've been in situations, and there are probably some right now, where you have, a, you, have, you have a long-standing fight against your parents. You're still mad at each other. You have a long-standing fight with your children. You have a long-standing fight with your spouse. You have a long-standing fight with your cousins. And, and you know, you have a long-standing fight with everybody else, and you just don't feel like being bothered with them because maybe they see you as being difficult, or maybe you see them as being difficult. But here's the thing. Family is family. But you have family by blood. And then we also have another family, and that's the family of faith. You know, we don't come here to have church. We come here to build family. We come here to build community. That's why you do yourself a disservice when you sit down, you get up, you walk out, and you don't meet somebody else new. I mean, hey, you may run into a couple duds, but just, you know, just meet somebody else. That's life. That's life. You meet somebody else. You start another small group. See, we should be building a village together. We should be building a family together. This is something that should be able to happen naturally. And, and I get it, man. A lot of us, we're so hurt from the past. It, it, it causes us not to trust people. It causes us not to put our faith out there to believe that people could be better than what, than what we've been around. I get it. But we have to build family. And we're, we're in a family of faith. We may not be, we may not be together by, by the blood, by the blood of our natural blood, but we are together by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that, that brings us to family. Now, the next one are friends. And I don't, I don't have a problem with looking at a guy and be like, bro, you're my brother. You're my brother. Or looking at a girl and say, you're my sister. I mean, if you're in the family of faith, we siblings. Now, I'm not going to look at you and call you, you know, Sister, sister Mary, because I just think Sister Mary, that sound old. I'm going to call you Mary, but you're still my sister. I look at people like, yeah, I'm glad to be with my brothers, because that's what we are. We're in the faith. We're in the faith together. But friend is a covenant word. Friend is, a, is an honorable word. That means when you call somebody your friend, that means that they, they, have, they have now crossed that threshold of honor, and now you have bestowed that right upon them. Relationship requires reciprocity, which means that when you are friends, it becomes abusive when one person is constantly giving and you never give in return. That relationship is toxic. We do that to God. We just want, 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 want from him. Our prayers are all about what we need from him, never about what we choose to sacrifice for him. 
And I mean, let it be clear. I mean, our works are as filthy rags, but yet and still we should have a desire to want to sacrifice something for him. And when God says, I want you to give what you got, then that means that God, you know, he, he's really saying, I want, you to, I want you to reciprocate. I've given you seed. Why won't you sow it? I've given you wisdom. Why won't you use it? I've given you a voice. Why won't you sing with it? Just reciprocate what I've given you. I'm not, asking, I'm not asking much of you. I'm asking you to come out of your comfort zone, maybe. But I'm asking you to do something. Disrupt your life long enough to just be, just be receptive and, and just be able to give something I've already given to you. But friendship is a covenant word. When you say we're friends, that means we, we are friends. Now, years ago, I used to have something called a friendship covenant. And I used to, I used to actually sit down with people, and with my guys, and I would, I'd write up a covenant. We would, we would have, just, we'd be friends. And then there was a time where every quarter I would sit down with those individuals. <laughs> it's crazy. I would sit down with them every quarter, and I would judge their friendship. I would. I would. And I would sit down with them, and I would say, you know, right now you're at like a D. Like, I'm not sharpened when I'm around you. I'm not sharpened with you whatsoever. And, I, I mean, I, I really don't, I don't understand why we're friends in the first place. And, you know, I, I really, we really need to, like, rethink this, this covenant. I mean, it's not, it's not helping me, and it's definitely not helping you. And I just think it's probably best if we just part ways. I don't want you to think I was just ignoring you for just, you know, just nothing. Like, I'm ignoring you because I really don't want to be friends anymore. <laughs> that was me. Terrible, right? Horrible. Then I got married, and my wife was like, that's, like, that's a problem. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? It is kind of a problem. <laughs> I like sitting at Barnes and Nobles, like, like, in, like in meetings and in increments. Like, okay, well, we're done. Okay, next. Come on. Come on. Come sit down. <laughs> like a bee in this area. I mean, you know, you're okay, but, I mean, we got to do some more because we we're trying to have, like, deep discussion, and you just can't get there. And I don't understand. It was so judgmental, so pharisaical. It wasn't anything that was healthy by the least bit. But, but you know, friendship is a covenant word. It's an honorable word. And you should look at those who you refer to as your friends. Don't just throw that out loosely. You remember when you were in high school and, and y'all getting ready to leave and it's like, you know, we're going to be friends forever. You lying. Y'all friends. You friends because you shared homeroom together and y'all used to cuss with each other. That's why y'all friends, because y'all both were crazy together. Your dysfunction brought y'all together. Then when y'all went to college, y'all didn't call each other. You remember the yearbook? I have, I said my yearbook, I have all these numbers in the back and I ain't calling none of them. In fact, I told my class when I left, like, I don't even, I don't ever want to see y'all again. <laughs> like, I, great. I was class president. Like, this was amazing for four years. That's it. But you got to know who your friends are. Then you have your colleagues. I mean, you know, colleagues can be difficult. You always have that person who kind of steal everybody else's idea. You know you didn't come up with that. You just waited till the boss came in. I said it, but you too. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, you take all the credit. Colleagues, and, and, and you, also, you also have your neighbors. How many of y'all got neighbors that are just difficult? Just difficult. Like, why you got to be difficult? Why are you looking out to see where I'm putting my trash? Where you put your trash? Where my phone at, you know? Just neighbors. Just why are you difficult? Or, or maybe, maybe you got acquaintances. These are people that they are not necessarily friends, but you kind of getting to know them, and it's just difficult. You're like, man, I want to be friends with you, but you're just difficult. That's somebody said that to me. It was like, you know, Cornelius, I, I want to be friends, but you're just difficult. I was like, you know what? I am. <laughs> or maybe strangers. You know, sometimes strangers can just be difficult. Like on the road. It's just, why you got to be difficult? You, you, the, the speed limit say 65. Crank this thing up to 75. Let's go. <laughs> or get out my way. Like get in the median and stay there. Just move. 
good gracious alive, just get out the way. This is the fast lane for a reason. Then when I pass by, you know, I always have to, Holy Spirit, give me every time. It's like, don't look at them, don't look at them, don't look at them. I pass by. <laughs> Heather's like, aren't we glad we don't have clergy on the back of our car? Look, that's why, because God's still working on me. Being difficult. Mm, it was just difficult with God. God's just like, would you, would you just do the last thing I told you to do? No. We ain't going to tell him that. we just like, God, you know my heart. I know I know your heart. That's so what I'm telling you to do something else about it. Because your heart is wicked, and I'm trying to get you to do something else different. And for some reason, you think that, you think that the heart is going to change just by osmosis. When In actuality, if you're going to change an action, then you're going to give an opposite action to what you've been doing. You're not going to give up from being lazy just because you know, somebody lay hands on you, and all of a sudden tomorrow you're going to be like, whew. I'm up at 3 a.m. They don't work that way. You get up from being lazy by finding an action and do something in the reverse, and you do it long enough where now you're like, okay, God, I'm being obedient. And then guess what? It gets easier and easier and easier and easier. Then you won't be lazy no more. But we think that it's by osmosis, that God's going to just open it up the windows of heaven and just, you know, somebody lay hands on you at the altar, and all of a sudden, I ain't lazy no more. No, you're still lazy. You're about to go home now and take a nap. For what? For what? You ain't did nothing. You ain't got a job. Like, why are you asleep? What are you tired about? <laughs> but the degree of our relationship doesn't change our response. I don't care who the person is. If the person is family, if the person, acquaintances, colleagues, strangers, doesn't change our response. We're still supposed to deal with difficult people and we're supposed to confront them in love. And then, but most importantly, this is not so much about us having to deal with them, but this is really about us looking at ourselves and figuring out that we are really the, diff the difficult one. Now, how to deal with the difficult one? Y'all ready for this? It was a question. It was literally a question. <laughs> Come on. Number one, don't try to fix the difficult person. You know, we, we, like for, we like to try to get into things to try to fix other people, don't we? Because we see their defects and we don't look at our own. We see the log in their eye, but we don't. We see the, we see the, the speck in their eye. We don't see we don't see the log in our own. Like we, we try to fix people. You know, one of the great conversations my wife and I we've been having here lately is that we just we're just we're different. And you know what? Different doesn't have to mean difficult. We're just different. And you know, we're learning to embrace our differences because we spent we spent way too long in our marriage trying to change each other. You know, trying to, her trying to make me out to be somebody I'm not and me trying to make her out to be somebody she's not. When we started this church, I wasn't like, you know what, you're going to be the first lady. Be the first lady, you got to do this. You got to be over the women's ministry. You got to do this. You gotta. No, I was like, babe, what do you want to do? What is God telling you to do? I want you to be comfortable in whatever role you desire to have that God gives you. Not something I want to make you out to be. And oftentimes we try to make people out to be stuff. You know, a husband says, a husband comes to me and says, I want my wife to do what your wife does. Maybe your wife don't want to do that. Maybe she wants to do something else. Let her be. Or you go home and you say, you know, I, 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 wish you, I wish you could be a father like, you know, some of the men at the church. That's the wrong thing to say to a man. He shuts down. Every time you compare a man to another man, he going to get bitter and mad and shut up. He don't want to talk to you no more. I don't want to be like them. Don't go home to my some Pastor Cornelius said, you teaching your husband to hate me. I ain't, met the, I ain't met the man yet. You teaching your husband to hate me. He like, I don't want to go to that church. Pastor Cornelius, I'm so, I'm so sick of you talking about, why don't you marry Pastor Cornelius? You don't know how their life is behind closed doors. He probably beating on that woman. 
Y'all know how we talk at home. He probably be on you don't even know. You don't know he get up there. You don't know what he doing at home. And you always want me to be like somebody else. No, you know what? Whatever. Bye. I'm out. Teaching this man to hate me. Then he come to church and walk right by me. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey, brother, how you doing? I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Don't touch me, man. Well, you know what? About, about the fourth or fifth time, man, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. My, my wife been talking about y'all for about, about two years, and I was like, I don't want nothing to do with it. I came one time. You know, I really like it. I really like it, man. I'm, th- I'm thinking about joining. I don't know. But, you know, I hated you for, for a long time. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't. What was your man to do? I hated you, too. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? We love you already. You can sit with us. All right, then. All right. Well, I'll be back next Sunday. All right, brother. And then his wife come. Hey, how you doing? He's like, come on, baby. Let's just go. <laughs> but don't try to fix the difficult person. You know, let's say I took a lion, painted him up to look like a horse, shaved him down, everything I could to make him look like a horse. Took away all his meat, put him in a cage on nothing but hay. He may eat on some hay because he gets hungry. I teach him how to, like, jump through hoops. I teach him how to gallop a little bit. And I try to make him sound like a horse. I try to make him do everything like a horse. And then, like, you no know, month passes by, and I go inside of his cage, and like he would a horse, just go and just kind of pet him. I just want to just go and just rub his mane. The lion going to look at me, and that's the last time I'm going to step inside of a cage. Why? He's going to eat me. And you may think, well, why in the world would he eat you? He, 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 he sounds like a horse. He walks like a horse. He galloped like a horse. I mean, he looked like a horse. Everything looked on the outside was like a horse. Well, that's because he was still coniferous in nature. His heart wasn't changed. He still wanted to eat meat. That's just like me trying to take somebody off the street and saying, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you how to be a good Christian. Come get in the choir, get on a choir robe, and this is some good stuff that I want you to do. So I want you to just stop having sex. I want you to stop doing this. I'm going to give you all these do's and don'ts. Let me give you a bunch of rules to make you feel like, to make you feel like God really loves you based upon every good thing you do. And then what happens is you have a bunch of people who over the years don't really have a relationship with God. Their heart's never been changed. It's just that they just do a lot of good stuff. And now they become Pharisees because now they're telling everybody else all the good, all the bad stuff they do. And you don't realize your heart's wicked. Like, yeah, you go to church and yeah, you tithe, but you are the meanest woman I've ever seen before in my life. I mean, you are a deacon and look at you. Like, you know, and you don't get into this thing thinking you're going to change somebody. It's just like you getting married. You know how we do. When we get married, we want to we wanna try to change that person. I know, Pastor, I know what you're saying, but I'm, I, can, I can change them. No, you can't. You can't change them. The Bible says, I believe it was Deuteronomy 22 and 10, it says, don't yoke together a donkey and an ox. An ox in the scripture is considered to be a clean beast. It's a submissive beast. The donkey is considered to be unclean and stubborn. So what this means is, you yoke them together, they're both plowing. Maybe in the first three months, y'all good. Then all of a sudden, that donkey's going to say, I don't want to move no more. And the ox is like, please, come on, come on, let's get, come on, come on, let's go to church, come on, come on, please, I, come on. I'm going to just nag you the whole time. This is why we don't ever get nowhere, because of how you are. And the donkey's just like, doop, not listening. I'm just going to sit here and just eat grass. And then what happens is, as an ox, you got to get to the point where you're going to have to start dragging this donkey just to move forward. I know way too many marriages where people, people could have avoided having to drag a spouse through life. 
But now you're dragging somebody that you, you should have known. This is a donkey. You can't change people. I can't say what I want to say. It's in the scripture, but donkey. Donkey is what I'm going to say. This is, it's, it's, it's just like you, you, can't, you can't change their heart. Only God can do that. You can give your child every rule to be good. That doesn't mean they're going to change. I was like, well, I, you know, I, 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 taught, I taught my kids everything. I gave them every rule there was. They got to college, and they were, you know, Tusi Fruity, Lucy Booty, because it was like, <laughs> also, we don't say that at home either. They got to college and went crazy. It was like Freaknik at college in their dorm room. And they're like, what happened? Not my daughter. Yes, your daughter. With your religious self, your daughter. Why? Because all you taught her were, were a bunch of good rules. It wasn't a relationship. I don't want my children to fear me, have, a, have a, just a, a healthy reverence for me. I want them to have a reverence for God. So when I'm not there, then they're accountable to him, not me. Rules can't do that. I can't, you, can, you can try to make somebody be a good church member, but if you want true change, that's between you and the Lord. I ain't got nothing to do with that. That's an encounter that you have with him. Now, I can preach to you. I pray the Holy Spirit encounters you, but until the heart changes, ain't much I can do. The next one, expect nothing but appreciate everything. I know there's so many of y'all right now, you're frustrated because you expected something, and it didn't happen. I mean, you remember how it was, man. You was in, you was in high school, and you was writing in your yearbook. And, oh, you writing that little page that was like, tell us about what your future going to be. And you was like, I'm going to be married. I'm going to have like a million dollars. Rich. I'm going to have two kids. That's it. You've been out of school for about 10 years. You know, you don't went to your 10-year anniversary. And everybody's, you know, 20-year anniversary, 30-year anniversary. And then you go back to that page. You look at, you look at the page. And you're like, what's going to be married? I ain't got that yet. I'm still searching. I might put an ad on Christian Mingle tomorrow. A millionaire. I mean, paycheck to paycheck right now, baby. But we getting by. We getting by. You know, it's not enough. I'm just enough right now. More than enough is what I got faith for, but it's just enough. Kids, I babysat last week. I don't know if I'm ready. Somebody <laughs> said facts. Yeah, you're right. Facts. Kids ain't kidding. That's sometimes they the difficult ones. But you expected something and it didn't happen. I know people who are mad at God. I don't want to go to church no more. All the church want is your money. Them pastors don't mean nothing for you. And they're, they're, they're moving away from it because they, they had an expectation that didn't get met. The Bible actually says hope deferred makes the heart sick. You're hoping for something. Hoping, 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 hoping. And your heart is sick because it doesn't happen. You're hoping because in your head you have believed the lies that marriage is somehow graduation from being single. And then you hurry up and you get engaged because you hurry up because you want to be married so bad that you realize this wasn't a graduation. Now, for some of y'all, you went from heaven straight to hell. And you thought I was, you thought you were graduating to something. And it's like, no, baby. You, you rushed into something too quickly just because you wanted, you wanted to look like what you thought you wanted and what you thought you needed. And that, that really wasn't it. Because our problem is that our expectation is in the hope of what we want, not in the hope of the one who can give it to us. 
But if I can just have an expectation that God, that my, my world is in your hands and whatever you desire for me to do, I'm going to do it because I know that you love me. That's it. That's it. The next thing, John 8, 47 shows us that you can rebuke, you can, you need to rebuke when necessary. You have difficult people around you. You need to rebuke when, when necessary. There are certain times, I mean, you, you can rebuke in love. It don't mean you got you to gotta do anything crazy, but you can rebuke in love. Sometimes you need to rebuke them when necessary. Here's the thing. You cannot run or try to avoid difficult conversations. Have them and have them directly. I'm one of the kind of people where if something bothers me, I'm picking up the phone. Hey, so what I heard was, I'm, I'm, I'm just that person. I, I just want to know, was, is there a problem? Are we good? Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we good. I'm just, I, I, I know, I just had somebody else tell me, you know, I don't like gossip. So I had somebody else tell me, so I just wanted to hear from you. So it, it, do, do you don't like me or what, what's the problem? I, just, you know, sometimes you just got to confront things and you got to rebuke when necessary. Don't just let that stuff go into the rug. I mean, if you're having a, a conversation with your spouse and all of a sudden, you know, it's like it goes out of control and you're trying to stop it. Like, you know what? Don't just throw it under the rug. Don't suppress it. You need to have it, have it at a later time. My wife and I, we've had to do that. I mean, it was, what, Friday, you know? <laughs> my, my wife and I, we have, we, at the beginning of our marriage, we came up with a code word. And our code word in our marriage, when our, when our arguments begin to escalate, is Jesus. And when, when things go there, you know, we just say Jesus. Either I say Jesus or my wife says Jesus. Friday, my wife was like, Jesus, Cornelius. And here go the difficult one right here. Because sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Here go the difficult one right here. Don't be bringing up Jesus. No, no, we're going to finish this. We're going to finish this right now. No, don't bring it. No, forget all that. Difficult, 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 difficult. And she's like, Cornish, you're not hearing me right now. No, you ain't hearing me. We gonna, oh, no, we're going to hear each other because we're going to keep. <sighs> Just difficult. Just difficult. Difficult. But sometimes you need to have those. Where it's like, okay, we're going to come back to it. My wife tells me all the time, she's like, baby, you hungry. <laughs> like, you know what I am. Let's go eat. I am. I'm, 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 I'm pretty parched. I'm, I need to go eat. Then after I eat, <laughs> she always gets me because my wife knows me. If she needs to have a difficult conversation, just put food in front of me. I'm sitting there eating, and I'm just, you know, stupid. I'm just sitting there eating. And she just, she having a whole conversation. I'm just, but, yep, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I act like that. Just, just acting crazy. I don't know why I be doing that. Just eating. As soon as my, my plate done, I'm full. She's like, well, baby, I'm so glad we had this date. I am too. She's like, I just feel so refreshed. I'm like, well, what happened? <laughs> it took me years to realize she knew the game. <laughs> Feed me. I'm good to go. She learned the game. Got me. The next one, don't quickly run to defend yourself. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know, it's the pride in us that wants to constantly go and defend ourselves. And we got people who talk about my wife and I and our kids like a dog. And we just be like, well, <laughs> y'all don't know us. If you knew us, you could, I tell people all the time, you don't like me, call me. Oh, you can't because you ain't that close to me. And what your words say don't bother me. You know, it's like you have you got to come to that place where you say, okay, I'm 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 not I'm not gonna I don't I don't have to just keep trying to defend who I am. I've done this long enough to know that, you know, God God comes through and God validates and God vindicates. He'll take up for you. You may not think it's the case, but it always happens that way. 
I know they talk about you like a dog. You know what? Sometimes you got to let that pride go down because that pride comes up quick. And it's like, oh, no, they didn't. And then you want to go back at people and you're like, you know what? I love you with your crazy self. You're going to be all right. But you move on. Don't quickly run and defend yourself. The next one, work through the hurt to reach the heart. Here's the thing. Some, some people are just, they're mad because they just, they're so angry. They just got anger inside of them. And when you finally realize that about difficult people, like you, you mad, but you're mad about something. Sometimes you're just the, you're just the closest target. Your spouse isn't really mad at you. Your spouse is mad about something that happened at work, but unfortunately you are the closest target. So I got to hit you. You're the closest target. But what I'm saying is, and what the scripture is saying here is that we have to rise above Everything, that they're, they're all their hatred, and say, I'm going to love you regardless. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that. Love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. Love doesn't take any thought, any wrong done to it. You can't look at your spouse and say, I, you know, I forgive you, but I'm going to never forget what you did. I mean, of course, you, you, our, our minds are set up so that we can, we can still remember things that happened 10 years ago. My wife does. She, she can remember stuff. She claims she knows stuff I said 10 years ago. I'd be like, girl, I didn't say that. But, you know, y'all women, y'all think y'all know everything. But... I, I, it's like you get to a point where you, you got to say, okay, even though you remember it, you got to stop. You got to stop rehearsing it in your head. If you forgave, then forgive and move on. At some point, are you going to have a good marriage or you're not? Are you going to have peace in your house or you're not? Either we're going to, I'm so, you, you, can't, you can't fight hell all day outside the house, then come back home to hell. Like at some point, you got to say, if this is going to be peaceful, it's going to be peaceful. Anoint them doors, anoint them windows, sit down together, have some peace, eat a steak together. I don't know, light a candle, pray, do something, but just have peace inside of your home. Have it inside of your heart. And then here's the other thing. What gives you the right to think that you can withhold forgiveness when God didn't withhold it from you? It's not yours to own. You don't know what they did to me. I'm not dismissing what they did, but what I am saying is that no matter what they did, God still chose to forgive you. And if he can forgive you, then what makes you think you can refuse to forgive somebody else? Frozen that thing and let it go. Please, let it go. The next one, this is an important one. Seek peace. Just seek peace. The, the, the Proverbs 17, 14 says, starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. You know, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's an old saying that says, don't start none. Won't be none. Just don't start nothing. If you go around just messing with a bear, you can't get mad when that thing come up and, and bite you. That's just what they do. Like, Here's a practical thing right here. Practical. This is very practical. When you're sitting down with your family, you're sitting down with your friends, you're sitting down with your colleagues, it's a holiday party you really didn't want to go to, but you're going to drink anyway. When you sit down with them, here's the thing. <clears throat> Some topics, just avoid them. Just avoid them. Just use wisdom. I mean, you know, we're in a presidential season right now. and Everybody, everybody got an opinion about some. Most of it's misinformation. We all got an opinion. You know, you somebody feeling the burn, somebody won't warn, somebody won't want to make America great again. You everybody, everybody just talking, everybody talking, 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 talking. 
And then now everybody done broke out into an argument. And then somebody mad over something, over you mad over something that this person said over this, and you mad about this. It's like some, some, some topics we just going to avoid. And you got to stand up and say, hey, everybody at the table, we ain't talking about that this time. And that's usually where the elder came in. Like, all right, everybody shut up and everybody listen to the elder. But those voices are becoming just, they're, they're so faint nowadays. But now you got to use wisdom. And God speaks to you. And God, God lets you know, I'm not having this conversation. I'm not going to do it. Why? You, you want to you avoid it? Nope. I just know nothing good is going to come out of it. I'd rather just have peace. I'm tired of fighting with y'all. Every year, I'm tired of fighting with y'all. Sister Mary coming with that nasty mac and cheese. I don't want it, but I'm just tired of fighting. I want peace. We're going to have peace in this house. Peace. Just sit down, shut up, eat your food. Some topics, just avoid. Seek peace. And the last one is that Galatians 5, and 23 gives us the proper framework on how to deal with difficult people. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because how I many of you know, most times what we need more than anything when we're dealing with difficult people is self-control. Because you know what we want to say, you know, and you know how you can say it. You can say it in that way that you know when you say it, it's going to really hurt their feelings. And you're like, no. You know, they start talking about you, and you got that, you got that clap back. You know, Auntie, like, where are your man? And you like, I guess in the same place yours is, Auntie. Don't, don't do that. You already know. You know how we are. We get real petty real quick. <laughs> just let Auntie have it. Where your man at? You know what, Auntie, I'm, 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 I'm in this season where I'm just believing God more greater than I ever have before. And I've just been praying for you. I know you've been going through some stuff, right, Auntie? I've just been praying for you, and I love you so much. Uh, I'm going to go get me a gl another glass of water. You want some? And when the ice drop on the floor, don't put it in her cup. <laughs> I won't tell you if I've done that before, but I probably have many times. We got to have self-control. You got to have some love and have some joy and have some peace. Sometimes you just laugh at people. They're trying to be difficult. Like, you're trying to be annoying, aren't you? Child, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go see a movie. I'm going to leave y'all alone. I love y'all so much. Have fun with you. But it's family. In family, you got, you, you're going to risk being offended. That's just what happens in family. That's what happens. I mean, that's, that's what this is all about. Unfortunately, you serve here, you're going to be offended by somebody. Somebody's going to say something you don't like. But the good thing about family is that you don't up and leave family just because you feel a certain way. Learn how to work things out. Learn how to deal with things. Here's the other thing. Stop using God as an excuse as to why you want to avoid a problem. Stop leaving stuff so early. You didn't, give it a you didn't give it time to develop. You got offended at one thing, and then you, you, you just dismiss yourself. And God's like, I didn't tell you to leave. You decided to do that on your own. You decided to, you decided to, to, you know, to exit the house before it was time. That is your, this is just your issue. And you have not resolved that. You are a quitter, and I'm trying to teach you to stop quitting all the time. I want you to do a different action. Instead of you always getting offended, why don't you realize that person is hurt? Your coworker who probably always annoys you is probably hurting. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but you know, people, people nowadays are, are, are really hurting. I mean, hurting. I mean, people, we're, we're up here talking about, people want to have debates about Kanye West. I'm like, yo, like you, you know, you know people out here hurting, right? 
the most that can happen is the man is helping people know who Jesus Christ is. Then why is that your problem? Just look forward and do what God told you to do. Maybe if we went in everybody else's business, maybe we'd, we'd be further ahead. I mean, at some point, you got to realize, this, this, this is the thing. I know we've been talking about other people, but ask yourself this serious question. Am I the difficult one? Trying to change everybody because for some reason you think you're right. And let me tell you something, Ms. Perfection, Mr. Perfection, you ain't. If the goal is for us to reach 100 meters in the pool, if I drown at 60, you drown at 80, that just means that you, you, you just swam a little bit further than I did. We both died. We all fall short. None of us are going to get it right. We constantly reach towards it. You know, perfection is a destination. Excellence is a journey. And so many people think they live in a land of perfection. That's an imaginary world you think you live in because you're not perfect. We can, we're striving in a journey in excellence towards, towards perfection. But don't you dare get to a place and put down your nose at somebody else because they are different than you are. Different does not have to mean difficult. And just because they are different than you does not mean that they are just difficult for you to be around just because they challenge how you think. Sometimes it's important to have people around you who are not like you. Sometimes it's important for you to have people around you who don't think like you, who don't look like you. Because if your world is as small as your circle, then it is not big enough. If your world is all about you and you're the only one that's on it, I guarantee you you're the difficult one because you probably think you're always right about everything. And you're not. You're not. You're not right. It's okay. It's okay. Be different. Just stop being difficult. And whoever the person is that comes over, you may have some people over at your house today. You may go sit down with somebody today for lunch. And they're difficult. Change your perspective. Perspective itself is wealth. Change your perspective on how you look at them. And say, you know what? I have a responsibility. I have a ministry to people like you. I know what it's like to be difficult because here's the thing. I'm difficult too. I'm difficult. You know, I mentioned something earlier, and I want to pray for people who are going through this. I mentioned, you know, depression and, and suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing, you know, when you're in it, you really, it's almost like you can't explain it to other people. It's hard. You know, I was reading about the time change. And for those of you who didn't, who didn't change your clock, that just means that I don't, I don't even own a clock in my house to change, to be honest with you. But for those of you who, who didn't change your clock, this means you just be on, you'd be early, be an hour early for everything for six months. Then in six months, you just be on time. That's new. Keep it. I was, reading, I was reading up about the time change and all this kind of stuff, and you started talking about this thing called seasonal depression. You know, the days get darker sooner. Kids outside playing 4 o'clock, 4.30, the streetlights come on. You're like, what happened, God? It's just a heaviness. Then around the holidays, we're talking about family. You start to look around and you start seeing absences in your life. You start looking at everybody else's family and you start wondering, God, what happened to mine? Maybe it was a divorce that happened this year or the one that you're going through right now. Maybe you lost the rock of your family. Grandpa, Mimi, Mama. Maybe it was a child that you had and just didn't make it. It's a lot of different things that goes into family. and It can be very difficult to look out into a social world 
and see other people's families smiling when yours seems like it's dying before your eyes. Or for those individuals who are looking at everybody else's family, you're wondering, when will mine come? When will it be my story that I have my own kids? I'm happy to celebrate with everybody else, but God, it feels like you just skipped me over altogether. Parents sick, hate your job, hate everything you're around, and it just seems like everybody else is advancing but you. You want to celebrate with them. You want to be there. Some people are even close to you. You want to celebrate with your friends, but it's hard. Because you're like, man, it seems like you're advancing. It seems like I'm still in the same place. And that stuff becomes overwhelming. I'm not just talking to the ladies in here, but I know men, men, we deal with this too. One thing we do is we measure ourselves against each other a lot. We're taught as kids to measure ourselves by points. Many of us infatuated with sports. The more points you have, then you win. The winner in the basketball game had more points. The winner in the football game, you had more points. We measure ourselves by the points we had. Then we, then we, seg- then we, we separate it down and we say, okay, out of 66 points, I had the most. I had 22. That means that I'm greater than everybody else who's on the team. But I still got to somehow be a person on the team. We measure ourselves, and that eats away at us. And while we, might, while, while we may not be as vocal as the ladies in confessing the hardship that we feel in our heart, we sit in our silence. We don't say much. We become shells, secluding ourselves, not saying too much. Our wives, our children wondering what's wrong with us. We're wondering, I don't really know how to explain it. I don't know how to articulate to you that I feel like I'm failing you as a husband. I don't know how to articulate to you that I'm failing my children as a father because I feel like you already feel like I'm a failure. Maybe she already told you that. The ladies feeling the pressure of having to become feeling the pressure to have to be ambitious, feeling the pressure to somehow be in the house and then somehow be out of it at the same time. And you're wondering, how can I do this at the same time? I want to be with my kids, but at the same time, I see so many women who are doing so much outside of the church, and I'm wondering how jealousy and envy begins to well up on the inside of you. Depression beginning to weigh you down until the thoughts begin to come. You're not loved. You're not appreciated. You're not needed. Just get rid of yourself. You don't need to be around. Why are you here? Your spouse doesn't love you. Your children ignore you. You're here just for your gift, not for who you are. You know, I, I've been my best to sit down with our, our worship team and people because sometimes you can feel like you're used just for your gift. People forget who you are as a person. 
I've had people, churches I've gone to preach at, and all they wanted was my gift. Well, they ignored the fact that I was hurting as a person. And that eats away at you. But can I tell you that there's hope? Can I tell you that you're not a lost cause? Can I tell you that you're loved? Can I tell you that you're needed? Can I tell you that you're wanted? Can I tell you that God has a plan for your life? I can tell you that I want to tell you up close. If that has been heavy upon you, I want you to do something so bold. I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come down here to, to this front. I, I, wanna, I, I can't let you leave here without praying for you. I got to pray for you. For those who are watching all over the world, I want to pray for you too. Depression, you've had suicidal thoughts, whatever it may be, I want you to get up from your seats right now. I want you to come down here. I want to pray for you. One of the toughest things I had to do was to look my wife in the eyes and say, I don't want to be here anymore. And for her to feel completely helpless in trying to help me through it. For me to go to others and say, I don't know what it is, I just feel depressed. And then for them to say, well, look at what you've done. Look at what you got. How can you feel this way? nobody really prepares you for when you get to where you think you're going. There's so many books out there that talks about you know, the journey towards success, but nobody really talks about what happens when you get there. Now, I mean, I see why multimillionaires and all these people, why they pop pills and why they do different things. Because here's the thing, the more you have, the greater it is, the more responsibility that comes with it. But here's the thing, we want more, we want expansion, we want greater. But well, the problem is, is that you can get all this world has to offer and it will mean nothing to you. I'm telling you what I know. And it'll still grip your heart. It'll take you for a run. Many people don't make it out. I gotta say, for those of you who feel the pressure that you didn't get up, we, got, we have a counseling uh, ministry here at our church counseling at um, thegochurch.com gives you an opportunity or thegatheringmissions.com whichever one of the two you, you go there and, and we can help you we got a prayer team who's willing to pray for you and pray with you this is no this is no one left behind I failed you as a pastor if all I've desired to do is have for you to fill a seat I take serious our mission I don't care if you know me, I want you to know God. Because I can't do nothing to help you. I want you to gather together to find, to find freedom. But you're set free through Jesus Christ and in family is where that true freedom begins to grow and flourish. I want you to know your purpose. I mean, our purpose is found in our name. We're called the Go Church for a reason. Because you go when you leave from here in your purpose. If it's starting a bakery, then let's start the bakery. If it's you getting a mic, let's move forward. One more step. 
But if we all just sit down and we never go make a difference, we never get up to serve, we never give up to help, we never give up to give, and we just wasted our time. Those of you who are standing down here, I want, I want to say something to you. Man, I love you. You know that, right? Breaks my heart you even down here, man. of it, you know, but there's hope. I say you are loved, you are needed. God hadn't forgotten about you. forgotten about you. He wants you. You bring me the roughest paper towel to wipe my eyes. See this? I have scars on my eyes. Thank you, because that moment was very heavy. Laughter is good for the soul. I must say this. You're loved. You're needed, you're wanted, you're appreciated, and we need you. Nations are waiting for you. Nations are waiting for you. Father God, I pray right now for these precious gifts, these souls that have found themselves in a pit of heaviness. I thank you, God, that you speak to them the way you spoke to me providing me with a peace that is just unspeakable. What a joy that I just could not disregard. For giving me my confidence back, I pray that you, you give it to them in a greater measure than what you gave to me. That God, we have no one left behind. That a joy is felt in their heart, is found in their home, God, that you continuously remind them that their best days are before them. It's before them. We have a hope in you. Hope to always win. Because you are Jehovah Nisi. You are a banner of victory. We honor you, God. There's nowhere else in this world we can turn. Medicine can't do it bring us to a place of peace but it's not that true authentic peace that only you can give and God may it be just through our broken hearts and through our brokenness that you allow for us to see the brokenness in the world around us and we're able to minister to a broken people not of a place where we beat them down but we preach to them out of a place of knowing because we have been through it ourselves thank you God for who you are and what you've done and by Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. I want y'all to go with our team. Where you at? That, is that Israel? I want y'all to go with Israel. Y'all turn right here. Go with Agatha.
Y'all, would y'all please go with Israel? I want to take you to the back and pray and leave God for you. Can we celebrate them for just a moment? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.